Welcome to the Analysis Mason podcast. My name is Rupert Wood and I am Research Director responsible for the Fibre Infrastructure and Wireless Infrastructure programs. Today I will be discussing the outcome of the C-band auctions in the USA. This is an updated version of an article on the auctions that is available to access and download from the Analysis Mason website. The C-band auctions in the USA concluded and the winners were announced in February. Spend was exceptionally high. In this podcast, I'll be discussing what drove the high overall prices, what the impact will be on network investment in the future, and the weight of expectation associated with 5G. $80.92 billion was spent on the 280 megahertz of C-band spectrum. The real cost to operators is even higher than that $80.92 billion. There are clearance costs that could amount to a further $13.5 billion for the three main operators. Verizon spent $45.5 billion, AT&T $23.4 billion and T-Mobile $9.3 billion. The other players came away with either nothing, in the case of the cable codes, or scraps. The total is equivalent to uh, 92 cents per megahertz per pop, the highest price yet paid for such spectrum anywhere in the world. Verizon spend is a whopping three times its total capex in 2019. A salient point of comparison is the 3G auctions in Germany and the UK in 2000. Then operators spent $82.1 billion on a population base about half of that of the USA. The license to previous year's capex ratio for Vodafone UK, which spent the most in the UK, was 7.4 times but this was when strong revenue growth in mobile was pretty well guaranteed. Details of auctions going back to 2000 are available from Analysis Mason's Spectrum Auction Tracker. So, why such high prices? High prices in the USA can in part be explained by high average revenue per user, ARPU, $43 uh, compared to $19 in Europe. But even after normalising for ARPU, the prices paid at auction are high. The auction had potentially a mismatch of bidders, incumbents and winners, which always drives prices up. There were three incumbents, five bidders of a national level, uh, with potential or real national reach, that is. That is, the three main MNOs, DISH and a consortium of the two largest cable goes, Comcast and Charter. But as it turned out, only three real national winners. The second and third highest prices paid worldwide for C-band, Spectrum, in Taiwan and Italy, were both also a result of a mismatch of bidders, incumbents and winners. The fact that only 280 MHz was up for grabs will also have driven price per MHz per pop up, as will the fact that T-Mobile already had a huge head start in the form of the 2.5 GHz spectrum acquired as part of the Sprint takeover. T-Mobile already offers about 30% national coverage, pop population coverage that is, in uh, mid-band 5G. T-Mobile acquired, acquired enough C-band to stay ahead, and even though it spent one and a half times its 2019 capex bill, it must have come away happy that its rivals spent so much. One interesting outcome is that the disruptors came away with practically nothing at auction, though their potential to upset all three main MNOs is real. Dish acquired next to nothing. It is 
boosting its subscriber base by acquiring MVNOs before a promised launch of a highly virtualized network sometime in 2021. Cable codes pose a great latent threat. They paid $100 million to take part, but apparently didn't bid. Perhaps the upfront payment of uh, $100 million to take part may have convinced the MNOs that they were serious, and they may be biding their time, having watched the MNOs spend a fortune for the 3.45 gigahertz band auction slated for late 2021, by which time price may, pricing pressures may have eased. Beggaring your competitor is a good result. But what strikes us is that if Dish Wireless reined in its retail ambitions and set itself up as a supplier to the cable co's, the result would be a highly disruptive fixed mobile convergence combination, that is, so long as Dish sold its DTH business, and would affect each of the three big MNOs. It has long struck us how little FMC, fixed mobile convergence, has impacted the US consumer retail market. Despite the pandemic, the main telcos still have very limited ambitions in broadband. Unlike most cable codes worldwide, which are coming under increasing pressure from telcos, US cable codes sit very pretty in the fixed broadband space, but they could leverage this to disrupt the mobile market and capture a significant share, and it would surprise us in the long run if they did not become more aggressive in mobile. In the USA, the burden of expectation placed on 5G is perhaps greater than in other regions. For reasons that date back to the breakup of the original AT&T into regional fixed operators, the current AT&T and Verizon are more dependent on mobile than comparable large European or developed Asia-Pac ex-incumbent operators. It means that neither could afford not to get hold of a decent block of spectrum. Both Verizon and AT&T will be under internal pressure to build out rapidly to secure a rapid return. Lobbyists may argue otherwise, but actually few operators have ever been left so cash-strapped after auctions that rollout is actually curtailed, and neither AT&T nor Verizon fall into this category. In fact, the sunk spectrum cost is likely to dwarf the rollout cost. They have about 140,000 macro cell sites between them, and if each was upgraded to 5G at a high-end average cost of, let's say, $100,000, the total would still be only 20% of what they collectively paid for the spectrum. Even allowing for further densification, it's difficult to see rollout costs coming anywhere near the spectrum costs. There is, however, an opportunity cost in spending so much. It entails less diversification of the kind that might make operators less reliant on securing 5G spectrum in the first place, although diversification through M&A into content has not been a happy experience for either AT&T or Verizon. Fibre or fixed wireless network spend could also be interrupted, although neither appears to be hugely ambitious in fixed, as I said. In fact, AT&T's FTTH has done pretty well during the pandemic, but FTTH covers only a quarter of its 60 million premises or so wireline footprint, and it needs to spend more if it wants to defend its non-fibre broadband base. Doubling its homes past to 50% coverage would cost, we think, in the region of about 10 to $12 billion. For Verizon, the aim to cover 30 million premises outside its wireline footprint with uh, FWA is also likely to suffer. 
C-band spectrum could help to overcome some of the high coverage costs associated with its millimeter wave 5G fixed wireless access. But throwing C-band spectrum at ultra-low yield FWA when average household data traffic is around 500 gigabytes per month is hardly an optimal use of a scarce resource. So where is the payoff? Spectrum value is generally determined by the savings that can be made in network costs as a result of deploying the spectrum, the technical value, and by the commercial performance improvements that are realized due to the improved network performance, the commercial value. The technical value of the spectrum is a measure of how much the spectrum is worth as a way of avoiding additional cost to maintain the same level of service by other means, for example through additional sites. This in turn depends on expected traffic growth, which appears to be slowing greatly in the USA. The latest data, although only from the end of from 2019, is that traffic growth was down to just under 30%. But that falling in uh, traffic growth rates is common to other advanced markets, and this limits the technical value. So high prices suggest a higher commercial value, which now in the USA lies to a large extent with a competitive advantage that a higher average speed can deliver, or higher average marketed speed can deliver. It is not, however, obvious that their additional spectrum will deliver to either AT&T or Verizon a competitive advantage over T-Mobile on average speed. It is therefore all the more important that AT&T and Verizon really do find or create a new wave 5G enterprise revenue or lead the emerging 5G economy as the CTIA president puts it, if only to offset new competition fuel decline in basic mobile ARPU. Neither AT&T nor Verizon will have the right assets this decade to avoid relative decline in mainstream consumer telecoms. Perhaps, though, no operator, let alone the telecoms industry, should ever have got into a position where 5G carries such a weight of expectation. There is more content on this topic on the Analysis Mason website. To automatically receive future episodes, please subscribe to the Analysis Mason podcast. Thank you for listening.